In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear family in Christ, it's such a joy and honor to get to bring God's word to you, all the way from Sri Lanka. We miss you all very dearly. We pray for you. We're so honored to be out here with you cheering us on and supporting us and praying for us. It's just such a blessing for our little family. But it'll be really good when we can see you again. I know actually you all are feeling the same way. This invisible enemy is keeping the saints physically apart for now. But I'm certain the invisible God will bring us back together again. I'm grateful to the elders and to my dad for giving me this opportunity to preach. When dad invited me to preach, he mentioned that March 17th, we would be reading the story of Paul and Athens. The more I thought about it, the more this seemed like a perfect text to preach on. It's a text dealing with the mission and witness of the church. I've been thinking on this subject quite a bit since being given this title, missionary slash vicar, by the LCMS. I have felt my spirit provoked within me quite a bit since coming to this country full of idols. But I think all of us Christians feel that at one time or another. We all feel a certain duty or obligation, or maybe it feels more like a burden to share our faith. So studying Paul's mission work together in our reading from Acts today, I hope we can gain insight into our own witness. Not being ourselves apostles of Jesus Christ, but still members of his body, set apart as that holy nation, that royal priesthood. What stands out to me from Paul's defense of his faith at the Areopagus is the way he pins everything on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's the foundation of his speech. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, his message is empty. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. But Christ is raised, Paul is saying. So you can know for certain that God has appointed him to judge. The resurrection is the foundation of Paul's faith. So it's the foundation of his witness. He claimed and defended his right to apostleship because he saw Jesus resurrected. He stopped persecuting the church and became the church's best proponent when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He was an eyewitness. The resurrection was seared into his retinas. And for Paul, this meant that he had a new Lord. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, God had a hold on Paul. Paul became a servant of Jesus, under whose feet God has put all things. Jesus' resurrection means he is what he says. He means what he says. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord of all. It means he is coming again to judge the world. Jesus has a claim on Paul. He has a claim on Jews, on Gentiles, on every living thing. This is his world. And so, Paul is convicted in Athens because the Greeks are ignorant of this God. In contrast to all these idols and images that are made with hands, 
Paul proclaims to them a new message. No more pretending that God is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of a man. The invisible God who created you has made the man Jesus your Lord and judge. Don't believe me? God raised him from the dead. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus isn't only a historical fact, just a piece of doctrine. It's reality. It shapes how he sees the world and the people around him. These Athenians aren't exempt from Christianity because they have a different culture that's more open and tolerant and spiritual in a general sense. In Paul's eyes, they are children of God, answerable to Jesus for their idolatry and sin. Jesus, whom God appointed judge. People don't really like this topic of judging. Sri Lanka's culture, for example, is very tolerant. Our Hindu neighbor, Mahendru, told me he likes going to the Catholic shrine to pray. And one Hindu festival day, he asked me if I would be going to the temple. I said, no. Tolerance is pretty widespread here. But it is a very religious populace, so it's a perfectly normal subject to bring up. In the States, though, I think religion is somewhat taboo. You feel like you'll offend someone just by bringing it up. Religion is more of a conversation ender than it is a starter. So it's tricky. We're supposed to love our neighbors. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. What's loving about telling people God is going to judge them? There are two aspects here to the message of Christ that have to be balanced in our witness. There is love on the one hand, and then there's power. And you can think of it as Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. How much does Jesus love us? Enough to die for us. How powerful is Jesus? He's the Son of God, because God raised him from the dead, just like he said he would. Love and power, crucifixion and resurrection. Ultimately, we want all people to know the love of God in Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? Knowing Jesus' great love for us and loving him as we do in childlike faith makes his power a thing to celebrate. Because he laid down his life for us, his friends, his resurrection is a cause for rejoicing. In the love of Christ for us, the law has lost its curse. Our yoke is easy. Our burden is light as servants of Christ. And because he loves us, and because we love him, his coming in power at the last day is something we're looking forward to. We're longing for it. His ruling as the Lord of all is a source of comfort and peace to us. The Lord is our friend. We want people to come to know the love of Christ. That's at the heart of of our love for our neighbors. We don't love our neighbors simply for the sake of our relationship with them. We love our neighbors with the hope that we would be united with them in a common, shared love for God. That love for God is what unites us so closely as God's family and his church. 
So as much as we want to build relationships with people, it will never be a true bond of love unless we can hug them close as we share the peace on Sunday morning. Unless we can call them brother or sister baptized into Christ. Unless we can break bread with them at the Lord's table. And that's why people have to hear from us the same conviction of the resurrection of Jesus that Paul had. In the end, for any of this wonderful stuff about love to be true and not just some fairy tale, Jesus has to be raised from the dead. Without that claim to power, the crucifixion and love of Jesus is just a charm to wear around one's neck. People are ready to believe Jesus loves them. Jesus loves me. Of course he does. Why shouldn't he love me? Jesus is great. And so is Lord Buddha. And so are Krishna and Shiva and Ganesh. You know, I think if we just all started loving one another, we might finally have world peace. These are the sorts of awful things one might start to say if one keeps the love of Jesus but strips him of his power. And Paul has the antidote to this kind of thinking in our reading from Acts. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. In short, God has a claim on you. The God who made you appointed Jesus to be your judge. Don't believe me? God raised him from the dead. Now there are only two possible responses to Paul, uh, to Paul's message. And Luke flushes it out in the reading. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom were also Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So some people thought he was crazy, but some believed. We're not given to know how long Paul had with those who believed, but it seems like a short time in Luke's narrative. Paul had something special to give them, something they had never heard before, something that spoke, perhaps, to the uneasiness in their hearts, the unsettling thought that they didn't have all their bases covered, that they didn't quite have a grip on the divine, a feeling that was manifest in their statue to the unknown God. Paul made a claim to objective reality. He bore witness to his own conviction of the truth of the resurrection and lordship of Jesus Christ. This is what's real. Whether you call yourself a Jew, a Greek, a Hindu, Buddhist, or an atheist, this is the God who created you. And now you know that this God has given you one Lord to worship, one Lord who will judge all flesh, the man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm not judging, but he will. None of us gets the opportunity to proclaim this message the way Paul did. 
being as he was, specially chosen by God as his instrument for proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. I've certainly blown it a number of times here in Sri Lanka. Mahendra was saying to me, We don't have trouble here with Buddhists or Christians. We are okay with everyone, except we have problems with Muslims. This was after the terrorism last Easter. But then he asks me, Are you okay with me and my religion? Oh, I didn't say, No, your religion is from the devil, and you're going to hell. <laughs> I think that's a good thing that I didn't say that. I wanted to hit off this relationship well, so I hesitated when he asked me this, and I had this feeling creeping over me like I should say something, like this was the opportunity to give witness to my faith. But I didn't know what to say. I choked. I did not say, Yes, I think your culture and religion are beautiful, and I hope you never change. No, it was something neutral and nonspecific and probably very unclear. I suppose he must know that I don't share in his liberal syncretism, since I told him I would not be going to the temple for the festival of Tai Pongal. But I'm still kicking myself. I wish I could have spoken like Paul did before King Agrippa in Acts 26. After Paul's defense, the king says, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul says, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. As we observe Paul in the book of Acts, I think we find that relationships are given by God as opportunities for people to come into contact with the truth of Christ the truth of the resurrection that is planted within Paul, the same truth that is seared unto our retinas as well by the Holy Spirit in the gift of faith. So brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe I should say rather mothers and fathers, or I don't know, aunts and uncles, you've... Uh, raised me in the faith. You've seen me baptized and confirmed and married and any, anything. So, dear family in Christ, I'm not preaching that we need to be Paul. Though we might relate to him when our conscience pricks us to give witness to our hope. But, just like Paul, by the grace of the Holy Spirit in us, let us be so convinced of the resurrection and the lordship of Jesus Christ that whether in words or actions we bear witness to him. Let us see the resurrection in everything, not just once a week or once a year. The risen Christ is Lord of all. He upholds creation by his word. He gives to each of us life and breath and being. He rules this world, but his kingdom is a heavenly one, and he is coming one day to judge. Listen again to St. Peter in the Epistle lesson. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Let our lives, lived in the hope of the resurrection and the joy of Christ's love, 
show the people around us our assurance that Jesus is Lord. As we love our neighbors as ourselves, and as we love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. And so, may God use us, his church, to bring Christ and the message of his resurrection to all people. In Jesus' name, amen.